0: Hollywood's first generation of movie moguls looked upon the growing importance of talent agents about as warmly as they'd embrace union organizing or taxes. At first, very first, before the movies were the nation's dominant forum of entertainment, agents worked with studio bosses, relieving them of such mounting procedural and housekeeping chores as payrolls, talent scouting, and the matching of available clients to similarly available film projects. It was all very friendly, but as agents developed their own power base, their relationship became adversarial. In 1925, there were fewer than 12 agencies listed in Hollywood directories, so one could almost empathize with Clara Bow, nationally famous It Girl, and her professional suffering. Like other actors in pre-talkie times, Bow seemed to be on a trajectory towards auspicious stardom, or at least marketable adorability. But also, like most actors, she was a resounding flop at managing her own business, that is, the business of herself. No sooner had Bo ascended to Idnis in 1926 than she naively signed a contract with Paramount that became a textbook case in stars failing to benefit from their own popularity. The contract paid her less than a third of what comparable performers were earning, and after it expired, it was too late for her to find financial success anywhere. She never attained the heights predicted, and her moment of financial leverage had been wasted. Movies developed into a huge business in the late 1920s. To consolidate power and maximize profit, smaller production companies began to merge, leading to the creation of eight major corporations, powerful studios that would soon be producing nearly 80% of the films released in any given year. Actors were hardly equipped with information or bargaining skill to deal with those giant companies, and as a result, the studios were able to develop the famous star system that saw many actors controlled professionally and personally, by the studios that essentially owned them. Those stars had little freedom about which movies they would be in, and their social lives were turned into a constant publicity tour. Unsurprisingly, the notion of actors having advocates to represent their interests became increasingly attractive. No wonder the William Morris Agency, a Broadway institution since the 1890s, but one that had avoided the movie's silent era altogether, ventured into the movies in 1928. A few years later, Film Daily Yearbook listed more than 60 talent agencies in Los Angeles, with another 20 in New York. In the 1940s, even stars with representation realized they could fall behind their peers if their agents were not assertive or powerful enough. The profession was so new, despite the moguls derisively considering it akin to the world's oldest, that there wasn't any guidebook on proper care and feeding of talent. Actors found themselves at a disadvantage because so many agents and agencies were still trapped in templates developed when they represented stars of vaudeville and the theater. When Agent Sam Jaffe negotiated Humphrey Bogart's new Warner Brothers contract in 1942, just as the great star was ascending, Jaffe's excess of caution not only cost Bogart money he should have made, but also limited his ability to freelance, restricted the number of films he could make, dictated the details of his billing curbed the influence he had in story and role selection, and affected other items increasingly negotiated by savvier top agents on behalf of top clients. Major structural changes in the business were underway, however. By the late 1950s, television stole the title of nation's entertainer away from the movies. The decline in theatrical attendance meant a monumental shift in the way studios produced films and reduced the cost of exclusive and expensive actors. Afterward, actors and actresses still worked for studios, but the old exclusivities were mostly things of the past. The shift meant that agents were now seen as necessities rather than options or luxuries. In the 1950s, Lou Wasserman transformed the talent agency MCA into a packager that would approach studios with already assembled teams of directors, actors, and writers. With this, Hollywood saw the birth of a new species, film stars who were also independent contractors, with the textbook case being Jimmy Stewart. The star of Harvey and many other iconic hits saw his wealth multiply with a single role in Universal's Winchester 73. By forgoing a standard salary and taking profit participation instead, Stewart paved the way for actors, directors, producers, and writers to leverage their celebrity at the negotiating table. Similarly, Wasserman co-founded independent production companies for such luminaries as Jack Benny, Alfred Hitchcock, Errol Flynn, and dozens of other MCA clients, allowing them to minimize taxes while exploiting their star salaries and expanding their influence in movie production.